Welcome to another episode of the Back to Business podcast. I'm Megan Rogers, Manager of Sheep Connect New South Wales and host of the Back to Business webinar and podcast series. Today, I'm speaking to Hamish Dixon of AgriPartner Consulting. We're going to discuss how to make use of short-term business resilience opportunities for a rebuild. Hamish, thanks for joining me today and welcome to the Back to Business podcast. No problems. Thanks for having me. Um, so just to kick us off, Hamish, overall, when we're thinking about short-term business resilience opportunities, we're really thinking about what we can make use of in the short term to, to get us back up and going. And, and, you know, what are some of the key things that we really should be thinking about as we're looking to start making those um, opportunities sort of materialise for our business? Yeah, look, I think um, at the moment we've got quite different seasons starting to play out across the country and and that's really what's starting to dictate different opportunities in different regions so certainly there's there's areas of australia particularly eastern australia now that have had uh, quite a turnaround in the season and things are looking really positive there's other pockets in australia that are um, still struggling and everything in between so that's really one of the first things is to get a bit of a handle on exactly what's the current situation from a seasonal point of view from a forecast point of view and then it opens up the opportunities to understand, right, what do we need to be doing in terms of tracking forward for maybe some options around different feeding strategies. Um, there's certainly opportunities starting to open up around things like adjustment that traditionally haven't been there for a while. And then obviously maybe options about, you know, are there stock that we can sell? And then there's also options around maybe things about um, management of your typical calendar of operations. So it might be looking at you know, joining dates or how we manage, you know, dry animals or looking at feed surpluses, all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, really it comes down to to just making sure we get a handle on exactly what the current situation is, what have we got to factor in, what's the, what's the um, production cycle coming up, and then, you know, digging into where are some short-term opportunities that can that can give us some easy kicks in the in the early days of really when we're projecting out over the next sort of three months, six months, maybe nine months' time. Yeah, and I guess it's really important just to think about, you know, um, where the, the rainfall's sort of fallen and, and, you know, with what degree of regularity that the rain and, you know, the seasonal sort of patterns changed. But then thinking a little bit further on to, you know, well, what have we got now and how do we make make um, make hay while the sun shines, so to speak, or indeed, you know, really try and make the most out of um, what, what it is that we're doing rather than just going, well, we'll just do the same old, um, you know, thing to what we've been doing, you know, throughout the, the tough times. How can we really sort of, like like you said, take some free kicks out of this? And I guess the first thing I wanted to chat with you about was, you know, how do we think about feeding, you know, going forward? You know, our stock might have been, might be coming out of um, drought or bushfire affected conditions a little bit poorer than than what we'd normally like to have them running at. What are some of the uh, options that we can go about um, running through to to try and you know work out number one if it's um going to pay uh, to continue feeding? What some of the upside and indeed some of the pitfalls that we might encounter when we're thinking about feed base and 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 what our stock requirements are? Yeah, look, I think um, we we are seeing that, and I think coming out of um, drought and, and bushfire and, and some fairly tough times in, in many areas. It's It's been a situation where, yeah, sure, condition of stock might be under a little bit. Um, but equally, it's it's interesting when you look at, I think, how we feed stock in those sorts of systems or those sorts of times. 
in that we we often and usually spend a, you know, a lot of time making sure that feeding is spot on in those types of um, situations. And I think often when we come out the other side and, and particularly if the season breaks and we're having um, a really, really positive forecast, we tend to um, you know, not be quite as focused on getting that feeding as tight as what we could. Um, and, and that's really another opportunity that, that we can grab is to make sure that you know, we still keep the feeding strategy as tight as we can. That's, that's where we make those little gains that add up over the, over the longer term and, and really how we make as much, as much profit out of the better seasons as we can, um, which is what's helping us to ride through those, those tougher times as well. Um, yeah, I think really it's it's important when you are looking at feeding and managing condition score coming out of um, tighter conditions that there's an opportunity where we have animals that might be lighter versus those that have still maintained good condition. Um, there's an opportunity in terms of still being targeted with that feeding so that those animals that are lighter are potentially given more feed and brought back up to condition prior to joining or lambing or calving or whatever the next really critical point in time is. Um, and, and look, it, it may well be that that's an important part of the management because possibly those animals have been really productive, you know, in the season before. Um, if you've got some data on that, if you've been tracking things like maybe preg status, you know, you might be actually able to look at those animals and understand some more about, you know, whether there's a valid reason that they were potentially lighter in condition or not. Um, but it is certainly one strategy to look at when you are, you know, trying to find ways of, of making the best out of any sort of feeding scenario. And, and I think we've seen that quite often with managing condition of, of stock through tighter times um, where, you know, scenarios have been played out over the last 12 to 18 months of many places looking at how do we maintain full feeding programs for still good levels of production versus, you know, an alternative scenario of potentially letting condition slip a little bit, not a lot, but letting that condition come down back a bit and taking you know a, a lower level of production, and um, I think certainly over the last recent times, with the way market prices have been, you know, targeting a higher production level has, in many situations, um, you know, been been the best outcome for many people. Um, but you know, we've got the information and the resources available for us to be able to work through those those cost benefit decisions um, for for everyone to be able to do it on their own farm, and that's a that's an important part of, of managing feeding and making sure that the strategy is is right for each situation. It's it's one of those scenarios, really, is it that isn't it where we where we really want to, you know, maximise what what production we've got coming forward and um, really like it, the opportunity to to really sort of fast track uh, business resilience, but also fast track recovery is just such a an important part of your productivity going forward. We talked a little bit about um, some of the other options available with regards to, to managing your feed base and your livestock. And, and we talked a bit about um, what the, the priorities within your, your flock were or, or your herd, um, you know, in terms of how we, we go about um, apportioning either best best pasture or you know our feeding program, and and indeed our management and how our, um, our overall sort of operational management is concerned. Can we just talk a little bit about how we go about prioritising some of some of those um, you know classes of livestock? Yeah, sure. Look, I think um, it's it's an important step in terms of actually 
especially in a rebuilding phase, really prioritising which classes should have you know the most focus in terms of feeding and and which animals potentially um, are the first to maybe be you know sold or adjusted or have a different feeding strategy put in place. Um, and I think in many situations, in, in certainly in a breeding enterprise, you know the core the core breeding flock or the core breeding herd has to always take priority and and sometimes I think we need to be careful that we don't get distracted with um, you know maybe managing you know maybe we have some dry animals that we think right we're going to remate those um, we want to make sure that they're not in any situation ever you know potentially taking feed from from what is our core core breeding group of animals um, and we have to focus on those and and I think especially when we're coming out of um, out of many of these situations and we're in a rebuild phase, understanding the the feeding strategies around things like maintenance versus production is pretty important. For example, you know we often look at say um, you know rebuilding flocks and and if we take say twin bearing ewes as an example, you know over two thirds of their total energy intake over the course of a year goes to maintenance. You know the rest, the balance of that, so one third of their total energy requirements over a year goes to supporting pregnancy and lactation. Right, so a really big chunk of what they consume from an energy perspective goes to just maintaining that animal, goes to meeting the base physiological functions of that animal, and that's effectively an overhead cost. So like any overhead in a business, you want to try and offset that cost with production. So that's why I think we're seeing now a really strong focus on making sure we look after the core breeding group of animals. So yeah. continuing on, Hamish, what about in terms of you, you talk a little bit about the the actual cost in terms of of what proportion of of energy is required? What about understanding the cost of feeding? How important is um, understanding that the differentials um, in terms of of the opportunities coming out of out of a um, a drought or a a bushfire type scenario in really sort of fast tracking your recovery? Yeah, look, it, it is really important. And um, the interesting thing with nutrition is, is that there are always a whole range of ways that you can meet animal requirements. And um, some are the most cost effective. And obviously, there are many other ways that you can you can feed that, that do very little in terms of, you know, achieving good levels of production, but cost a lot. Um, and it's important to really look at your feeding options in terms of do they meet the requirements of the animal in the first place? And that's a really important first step is to understand not just that we've got, you know, an animal that's in late pregnancy and we want to feed it more. It's no, we need to know how much energy do we need to deliver, how much protein do we need to deliver, and what feeds can we provide that will actually meet those requirements best. So when we're comparing which feeds, you know, are an option for that animal, it then comes back to understanding, well, what is the cost of that feed per unit of energy or what is the cost per unit of protein? And you can compare all sorts of different feed options that way. And that's really the first step in terms of making sure that whatever feeding strategy you take is the most cost effective one possible for that group of animals. Um, once you know that, then you can start to look at some of the alternatives and that might be looking at um, whether it's a different ration, whether it's utilising different proportions of pasture to supplementary feed, or whether it's options around things like maybe adjustment that's becoming available, you know, and how does that stack up in the in the overall, um, you know, opportunity list as well. So 
if we're thinking about our feed and our feed base and our nutritional requirements, that the cheapest form of feed by a long margin is what grows out of the ground as the green stuff, the grass, basically. Yeah, correct. But, but really importantly, understanding the costs of some of the other feed alternatives and, and whether or not the, the, the adjustment might be something that could be an important part of, of recovery. Certainly if, if things aren't recovered or recovering in, in an area, um, there's, there's you know, more and more adjustment coming on the market with every day. So there's opportunities that can exist out there, not on your own farm. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's, um, we're, we're seeing a lot of adjustment come available because there's been, you know, quite a turnaround in the season in many parts of Australia, particularly Eastern Australia. And and coming off the back of the dry times, you know, people don't have their full stock numbers anyway. And, you know, for many, the the costs of, of restocking might be too high as well. So adjustment or taking on adjustment can be an option for them, which, you know, is potentially an opportunity for, for others. So, you know, if you look at costs of adjustment versus, you know, pastures versus a total, you know, total mixed ration that you provide yourself, they're, they're obviously quite different and you are spot on in that the, the feed you grow yourself out of the ground is by a long way cheaper than anything else. Um, you know, if you take, say, an example of, of what we're looking at was, um, say, cows that are coming through mid-pregnancy stage, maybe they've got a calf at foot, um, you know, pastures might cost those animals might cost you 70 cents per head per day. Um, adjustment, um, depending on what rates you're paying, might be somewhere around $1.70 per head per day. But to give those animals a full feed, to give them full total mixed ration, is probably closer to $4 per head per day. So there's quite stark differences in those costs. And um, and certainly the opportunity that's in that is, is making sure that you utilise what pastures you grow as best you can. Um, and then whatever supplementary feed is is required is is done as best as possible. Um, and that, yeah, like, we, like you're saying, certainly now that, you know, maybe adjustments around, um, you look at that as an opportunity. But I think one of the things with the adjustment is is being considerate of um, which animals might suit going away on adjustment versus which ones stay home. Um, thinking about not only the adjustment cost itself, but the cost associated with managing the adjustment, the labour and the time, the travel to go there and check. Um, and clearly, you know, we've always got to be conscious of, you know, biosecurity and health risks associated with sending stock off farm that potentially are going to come back as well. So, um, yeah, we've, you know, it's an opportunity to look at and, um, yeah, it may well be a very good opportunity for some situations this, this coming season. It sure is. And, you know, I think, think thinking outside the squares are an, an important part of, of being, you know, agile and, and moving towards a, a recovery, you know, without in, in importing too much risk into your operation. We certainly, we a few um, episodes of the podcast and the webinar series back, we spoke with Dr Gillian Kelly and she covered in detail a little bit about the biosecurity um, risks and um, considerations for adjustments. So I'll just um, give that a flag now so that if people are interested in, in backtracking onto that, then uh, to have a listen to that. I guess um, the other one of the other things that I'd, I'd like to talk to you a, a bit about now, Hamish, is about which animals are doing what and, you know, and where the culling strategies might exist in, in your operation. So, you know, maybe you've joined and, and you're, you're scanning and, and you've got some dries that have come through because you joined before the season had broken. 
what are some of the strategies that that we can consider in terms of of keeping our productivity up uh, but also dealing with with you know passengers or you know uh, poorer performing animals within our flock or herd yeah look it's it's a really interesting space and i think there's there's heaps of opportunity in terms of really understanding you know which animals in a in a group are those that can perform and those that are, are really just cruising along in the ride and, and not contributing much to the profitability of the farm um, one of the tricks i suppose is that to some degree we have to have some data to be able to make those decisions and we are i think generally seeing that we're, we're capturing more and more data on farms now and and the individual animal productivity space is is one important part of that to be able to make better culling decisions and um, and I think it, it actually makes a lot of difference I think to to how we how we change our mindset around culling in that often you know if we don't have much information it's just a culling decision based maybe on age group um, but when you can really clearly rank animals and know that you're taking away those animals that are not contributing as much to the farm as others then um, then it helps a lot. So clearly, you know, one of the easy options is looking at dries. So they may well be dry animals that have failed to conceive. So you'll pick them up at preg scanning, or they may well be animals that have failed to rear. Um, so they, they're the types of animals that you wet dry at marking or weaning and um, can identify those animals that, that are dry at that stage. So they're, they're, that's one easy way. Um, you may well find that if you don't want to be culling all the dries, then you then go into a, into a smaller group within that. Um, and it might be that potentially you take um, animals that have got you know, wool faults or something like that if you know that there's a, a group in there that, that are the bottom end of the wool quality animals. Um, it might well be that you know there's a, there's a group in there that structurally aren't as good as the rest. Um, maybe you start to look at age. And you know, one of the things that we often look at in that scenario is with the dryers. If you're doing it consistently, presumably any of the older animals that are coming through in a dry group um, have at least performed in previous years. So, you know, the younger animals in that group might well be a target group to actually cull out. Um, and it means that, you know, the younger animals that have conceived, have reared, um, uh, are certainly your high productive animals to stay in the, in the group for the rest of their life. Um, likely also that those younger animals that are that are dry are probably going to command a bit of a higher price in the market than what the older ones as well. So from a cash flow point of view, might be a bit nicer too. Um, so you can sort of keep delving into those groups as far as you like. Um, the other part of looking at which animals to sell is usually the young stock, you know, any of the normal sale animals, sale weaners potentially, is understanding, right, well, at what stage are we, are we going to sell them? It might be a decision that you know if things get tight you know their sale date moves earlier and likewise if the season's looking really good do you take them out to heavier weights um, so those sorts of decisions can come into play but you've got to be pretty careful about really factoring in all the costs associated with finishing animals um, and making sure that whatever costs are in there are accurate and that you are really truly representing the the scenario that plays out ahead there's been plenty of situations at the moment i think where you know restocker prices are pretty attractive and and the prices that come back for finished animals have meant that there isn't as much margin in taking that finishing option as as really you know getting animals off the place quickly and and selling them you know into that restocker market but you know everyone can do those scenarios you can work through the costs and the income side of that equation for each scenario and and work out for your situation for your farm 
which option is really going to be the best in your current opportunity list and see you know which scenario can give you the best return what about the the kind of practice which is i guess is a, a little bit um, you know, it's fairly common that we just cast for age once they get to a certain age. If if we've had a, a seasonal break and, and conditions are going well, um, you know, well, what do you reckon about, you know, hanging on to some of those, um, you know, sound older animals and, and giving them another go around? Because they're, you know, technically speaking, going to be quite um, fertile and, and highly reproductive uh, with a high reproductive sort of performance. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one other option. And I think there's the really important step in that when we have, you know, an improved season and we've got good conditions is we still have to do that feed budget. The really important first step is that we have done a feed budget to understand exactly how many head we can carry. Um, it's a really important step to once again, prioritise our core breeding flock and know that we can look after those animals um, with the current feed on hand and with what's projected to come over the next few months. But it will let you then say, okay, well, I know that we can potentially carry another, you know, 200 older ewes, for example. Um, and in that situation, you can, it's it's really valid to go through and say, okay, well, I know that we've got a group in here of, of you know, ewes that are in good condition, older ewes that are in good condition. They're still sound in the mouth, structurally they're fine. And like you said, they are highly productive animals at that point. Um, so they are one one way of potentially looking at how we manage manage that feed base and how we take an opportunity where the season is actually looking really good for sure. Hamish, we're nearly out of time, and I just wanted to touch on you know some alternative short term management options. You know, in terms of being agile around when you can do things and you know respond appropriately but in a positive way to what the season's um, doing and, and what sort of opportunities or, or lack thereof are presented to you given the season. So do you, can you just touch a little bit on on that sort of um, side of things? Yeah, sure. Look, I think um, that there are, I mean, often when uh, we're looking at what are some of the short-term opportunities, we, we do the usual feed seller gist type scenario. But the other things to be really conscious of is, is are there some sort of calendar of operation type um, opportunities to look at and, and by that I mean uh, looking at things like joining date and we're not talking about necessarily big wholesale changes moving joining dates by months but uh, often there may well be a way of, of shifting say your joining date by a couple of weeks or even up to four weeks if you, if you have to that can allow you just to take advantage of, of movements in the season. So if we've had a really early break and you know we haven't joined yet and we can see that the feed is actually looking like it's starting to move, we're going to have potentially an excess up our sleeve, then maybe it's an opportunity to shift your joining a couple of weeks earlier and just help take um, or just really utilise some of that feed a little bit better. Obviously, you've got to think about, well, what are the flow-on effects of that? Um, we have a joining date set in the calendar for a reason, you know, and maybe, you know, if you move it, it, it might start to clash with other things. But if you can see that it's still clear and it makes sense, to um, potentially juggle that date around a little bit, then there's there's really good benefits in terms of just those little tweaks. Um, it might mean that you know at the other end of the season you've got another couple of weeks clear, another couple of weeks growth on wieners, and they're and they're heavier again. So there's opportunities there. Um, it might also be looking at things like well, what do we do with dries? You know, so normally maybe the the pregnancy scanning comes through and the dries are are off and out of the system, but Maybe it's a case from a cash flow point of view that works. 
but maybe if you can carry them, then you can rejoin them. Um, and particularly when we're utilising grown feed, we're utilising pastures, obviously the cost of those, the cost of carrying those animals is, is far less than if we had to fully hand feed them in containment, for example. So you might be able to rejoin them, you might be able to then sell them um, you know, pregnant, or you might take them all the way through and carve them down or lamb them down yourself as well. Um, those steps can actually be reviewed as the season progresses and you start to see how the rest of the season is going to play out. But you can make that first step you know, at that point already. Um, the other thing is, you know, you might even take some of those dryers and if you can see that you've got enough feed, maybe they get run as a, as a dry animal and they, they stay in that scenario, you know, particularly with, say, merino sheep, you know, you might carry them through as dry animals until next year and at least get the fleece income from them. Um, so there's options there and, and I think probably more so in sheep as well, we, we can also see options sometimes around joining um, ewe lambs. So if we've had a good season, growth of the weaners has been really positive and they're, and they're hitting really good weight targets. If those ewe lambs have reached you know, 80% of their standard reference weight, then they're getting to the point where you, you, know, you can get a really good successful joining out of them. So it might be that for that year, you put a ram in with the, with the ewe lambs as well and, um, and try and make use of that opportunity that's in front of you. I think the one thing to always be aware with, with joining ewe lambs in particular is that we've still got to support those animals, um, not only from the fetal growth point of view to support their pregnancy, but you've got to support that animal's growth as well. We're still talking about an animal that's, that's growing itself. So you've got to be able to support that demand and, and look after her you know, more than what you often look after the, the mature animals. Um, and I think the other, the final thing in these sorts of seasons where um, if we've had a good break and, and things are looking good is don't forget about, about conserving some feed. Um, you know, we've, we've used a lot of the feed resources that's been stacked away in hay sheds and silos over the last couple of years. And it might well be an opportunity to park some away ourselves as well. You know, it might be an opportunity to, to put some resources back in the hay shed or put some more grain back in the, in the silos for, for future years as well. Thanks, Hamish. Some of the key messages I've taken from our chat is that, um, you know, it's really important that we always look to the opportunities. Um, understanding our costs and what our feed requirements are also underpinning any um, semblance of, of recovery and, and turbocharging our, our business to, to um, trade our way out of a, of a difficult time. Is there anything yeah. else that you wanted to add to, to what we've chatted about today? Yeah, look, I think, you know, also we've just got to make sure that we, we look at all those opportunities that might be around. So, you know, don't forget, we've we're traditionally used to looking at, at the feeding and selling options. Don't forget adjustments has come back online, I think, in this last little while where, it's, where it hasn't been that readily available um, for quite a while now. And the other thing is, is look at those short-term options that might be available in your normal calendar of operations as well. So um, looking at are there ways of actually juggling, you know, joining dates, are there ways of juggling, you know, how you manage some of the dries, joining young stock and, and likewise don't forget about, you know, conserving feed too. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good message to, to think about as a way of really tackling or really making the most out of opportunities that we're presented at the moment. Hamish, thanks again for your time today. I've really enjoyed catching up with you. I've, um, I've learned a lot and I'm sure that um, those who are listening will, will take a, a lot away from our chat as well. Um, so, yeah, thanks again and we'll, um, we'll catch up with you soon. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Speak to you soon.